When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Charlie Paulson, and you're listening to the Devil's Music Podcast with Pleasant Gaiman. Pantheon Podcast presents from Hollywood, California, the Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaming as she brings you The Devil's Music. Hey there, this is Pleasant Gaming, and you're listening to The Devil's Music. Pantheon podcast. A little bit about me. I'm a punk rock witch from Hollywood, California. I've had a lifelong passion for rock and roll and the occult that started when I was a preteen. In the 70s, I was one of the first punks in LA. And as a teenager, I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go, started producing shows, and made a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to write for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s and the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've toured around the globe to teach and perform dance. You might have also seen me acting or dancing in music videos, feature films, and documentaries. Look for me in the new Go-Go's documentary. To find out more about me or to book a tarot reading, go to my website, pleasantgaiman.com. I'm really excited to be part of the Pantheon Podcasts network of rock and roll shows. Everyone here at Pantheon tells stories about the music we just adore so much, each and every one with a different twist. Find them all wherever you listen to podcasts at Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Pandora, anywhere you get your favorite podcast fix. And head on over to PantheonPodcast.com to share a show with a friend. Or be damned to purgatory forever. This is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music. Today, my guest is so amazing that she's the first person that I've done a repeat episode with. Um, she's an incredible tarot expert. She's the author of eight books and is working on her ninth. 
Um, she, she teaches and has amazing websites, which you can see in the episode description. And she's just, she's an all around maven and a really fun gal. Please welcome the incredible tarot lady, Teresa Reed. Hey, Pleasant. I am so glad that I get to do this with you a second time. And I like to say any excuse for us to hang out, I'm down. So thank you for having me back. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, your new book is incredible. Teresa's got a book out that you guys have to read. It's called Twist Your Fate, Manifest Success with Astrology and Tarot. And she knows so much about both of them. And this book is full of so many cool tips and, you know, detailed explanations. And it really connects the dots between tarot and astrology. Um, some of us don't know anything about any of that. Some of us are a little bit more proficient in one area, but you've got it all, babe. <laughs> so, um, well, I, I'm a Gemini, you know, Gemini's like to do two things at once. And I started studying both of these, uh, these, you know, ancient systems at the same time when I was 15. I came to astrology before I came to tarot. And to me, it makes sense that they go, they really work well together. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're great. They're hand in hand. Um, I, I like the, the little story or um, lead in, a, 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 in the book about that, about when you were, you know, when someone, someone told you you were going to be a, a fortune teller or a really good, or here, tell, tell that to the audience. This is the okay. only part of the book you're going to get, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I was really young and misguided and making all kinds of terrible decisions in my life, I was, I met a palm reader actually. And the palm reader uh, looked at my hand and said, so uh, you're going to run a business one day and you'll be very successful and you'll never need a man again. And I'm like, what, what the heck is that all about? I'm thinking, what kind of business would I run? I was like 20, 20 years old, just, you know. And, and like, I couldn't even envision it because, you know, of course, when I envisioned businesses, I was thinking people with briefcases and suits and things of that nature. I could not contemplate what this person was talking about. So right. I thought he was totally full of it. But it was only a couple of years later that I started my business and I discovered I actually have a knack for business. So he was totally the hippie was totally right on. I mean, it was like, whoa, this guy was right. And here's how he, he saw it in my palm. So we have a family trait. We have these bent little fingers. Mm -hmm. In fact, She's I have holding a, my up brother. Pinkies. Yeah. They're, they're semi-deformed. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes people see them and they're like, did you break your fingers? I mean, no, it's a family trait. My mother's fingers like that. My brother's fingers are like that. My niece has fingers just like that. And I have fingers like that. And so it can mean something about... Uh, communication but this hippie said no no no. that means you're going to be running your own business so lo and behold dude was right that's pretty amazing i know i remember my mom telling me in high school that um i should dress for success and i was wearing like you know like ripped up fishnets with 1940s dresses or like really small tiny mini skirts and going to concerts and wearing a leather jacket and she's like you have to dress for success and I told her I was dressing for success in the field I wanted to be <laughs> <laughs> I love true. it yeah because you know because I had bands and stuff but um I was really interested in 
the concepts of tarot and astrology too when I was really young like like my my grandfather on my dad's side on the Pennsylvania Dutch side was like really into growing plants and farming and he always had the farmer's almanac and I remember the first time when I saw all the um you know all the signs and you know what every sign meant and then the horoscopes for the year and in those really cool old like um etch the, the drawings look like etchings they look really old of all the signs and I became obsessed you know but that was that was a really long time ago when there was no such thing. I know your listeners are not going to believe this, some of you, but there was no internet. <laughs> there was, um, so you had to look at hard copy things. And I love tarot too. And I think I told you, Teresa, I ordered my first tarot deck from babysitting, yep. but it was a yep. it was a Marseille deck, and I and it didn't have a book with it the way they all do now. And I had so I kind of had a handle on that major arcana, but the minor arcana, I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> That's the that was my first deck too. Really? Because what pe yes, what people don't understand because we are longtime readers is back then there weren't that many choices, and like you said, there was no internet, and whatever you got, you got. And I grew up in a rural area, mm -hmm. and you know, so my first deck, we were yep, we were at a mall one day, and I was right to that bookstore looking for astrology books, and I saw a Marseille deck, and I'm like, oh my god, I saw this in the movies. I'm taking this thing home and that was it but that was the first deck not because it was my first choice but that was all you could get back then at that bookstore so uh and i didn't know about any of the other decks i was young and and what i mean back in back in the day also you know we're going back to like the late 70s early 80s i remember also if you wanted to get certain types of music you had to go through you had to order it online you had to like Ask the record stores that I no, not online store. though, not even online. You just had to like Oh yeah, not online, but you have to like get a catalog and you'd yeah. have to get the catalog and order from the catalog. Oh, look at that. I'm so used to being online. It's automatically. Know. Or, you know, like I would go down to the record store and I would tell this guy, look, I saw this thing in Cream magazine. Yeah. I want to order this album. So it was much, much harder to get good music or to get things like metaphysical supplies. If there just wasn't there wasn't the abundance that there is now yeah and like a lot of younger people do not understand that in any way um was your first deck that ijj swiss tarot i'm just curious i don't remember which one Did it have all a red i know box? Was in, it, i think it had a red box i don't remember all i know is a marseille and i'm like what the same thing with you the majors you know i could get except i didn't like that higher fend and the yeah, I never liked the higher fence. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other ones were just, you know, here you got eight swords. Well, what the hell does that mean? So the thing is, you had to really want to learn it back then. And you that basically means I had to study those cards left and right. And then I think it was a couple months later, we were back at the mall for whatever reason. And I went in that bookstore and they had a Rider Waite Smith deck. And I saw that. And I'm like, boom, took it home. And I'm like, thank God, this one is visual for a visual person like me. It helped me to really accelerate my learning. Yeah, that's so much that that deck. I mean, there's a reason that deck has been printed by so many companies for like over 100 years, because it's really great. If any of you guys out there are thinking of starting to learn tarot, definitely go with Rider Waite Smith. I mean, there's also two beautiful, incredibly gorgeous, fancy 
like newer or modern decks and there's specialty decks like the fairy deck or like the animal tarot or whatever, you know, but you can't, you can't go wrong starting with the classic Rider Waite Smith. Don't get a Marseille deck yet, even though there's <laughs> books with it. Uh, otherwise you're going to be sitting there like me and Teresa going, what the fuck is this <laughs> <shit>? <laughs> Yes. I mean, I've got, I still have a soft spot for the Marseille. Oh, I love and it. I can, I've got, I've got my yeah. first deck right here. I'm, oh my God. My, my first decks are no longer exist, but I have my oh, first mine astrology looks book. Mine looks like it's been through like a lot of parties and maybe a flood. Yeah, well, that's the way my, my first astrology book, which wasn't mine, it was actually my best friend's mother read my chart. And when she before she died, she gave me her astrology book. And I was like, it's one of my most prized possessions. It's ripped up, it's marked up, it's falling apart. I keep it in a plastic bag. And I just love it so much. It's the that's memory. Cool. Did I... Um... There, there's a, um, a book called Potions and Spells of Witchcraft, which I ordered around the same time as I ordered my first tarot deck. And somehow in a bunch of moves, I lost that book. And I was talking about it on Madame Pamita's podcast. Hi, Madame Pamita. <laughs> and, um, and then, um, so someone, and then I talked about it on some other witchy podcast. This was not my own. And, um, Somebody they don't even know, and now I know her now, but only through the internet, sent me a copy. And when I opened it up, I started crying because I remember oh my God. exactly, like all the, the illustrations in it were exactly the way that I remembered them. Um, you guys, honestly, you don't know how hard it was growing up in like the, in the 60s and the 70s in my case, and, and for Teresa, the 70s and the 80s. Yeah, there was no witches around. Now you can just go on any social media and there's, I mean, there's, there's not, there's a lot of information. Some of it's no good, but it's like, it's not a problem finding anyone doing like witchy shit or astrology or tarot or any of that or ordering records. You can get, um, now that vinyl's back, you can get vinyl anywhere, but I mean, we, we, we trudged miles and miles through the blizzards and snow so you guys could order shit on Amazon. <laughs> they don't know how good they have it. They do not know. And back in the day when people called you a witch, it was an insult. Now yeah. it's kind of like a compliment. Now it's cool to be a witch. But back then, oh my God, I, my first witchcraft book I have, I still have that one too. I got that in the 80s. My friend told me, they said, you should study witchcraft. I said, oh, I'm into all this witchy stuff. And I've been into witchy stuff since I was a little kid. Of course. Um, and so I got this book called Mastering Witchcraft. I think the author's name is Paul Hewson. I still have that book. Still have it. It's my favorite. That's so great. Um, well, anyway, since we're talking about the olden days at first, um, I can't remember if the last time we were on the podcast together if you told me about like your first concert, but you just mentioned Cream Magazine and I don't think we got into that either. So what were your favorite bands back in the day? We need to know. Okay, so back in the day, uh, you know, if we go way back, of course, when I was a little teeny bopper, about 11 years old, I loved Sean Cassidy then. No shame <laughs> in that. And oh my God, I was all into that. And then what ended up happening when I was 12, um, uh, this is how all my musical thing completely changed. I was uh, sitting in the kitchen and 
reading the newspaper because I read the newspaper every night. Like my dad and I both always read the newspaper. And there was one section called the green sheet, which was about, you know, cultural things and it had puzzles and stuff like that in it. And I looked at it, it had an article about punk rock. And I remember saying, mom, what's punk rock? And she said, I don't know what that is. And so I thought, well, I'm going to find out. So the next time we were in the grocery store, I was looking at the magazines and looking for like a rock and roll magazine. And I saw cream magazine. It had something on their punk rock. And I'm like, I'm going to buy this. This is going to tell me what this is. And I remember taking it home and I saw the Sex Pistols. Yeah. And so we're, we're dating back to 1978. And I took one look at Sid Vicious and I'm like, fuck Sean Cassidy. This is where it's at. <laughs> I tore down all my Sean Cassidy things. Next thing I know, it's all like Sid Vicious Sex Pistols. And then right after that, of course, he gets accused of murder and dies. <laughs> my mother was horrified. What <laughs> happened to my little girl? And it's like, this is what I want. This is it. And so then I got obsessed with like um, the Ramones, uh, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, the Buzzcocks. You know, that was all the things I was like listening to. And again, this is back in a rural area where people were like, what is wrong with you? And, you know, kids hated me for that. I was in. And that was it. I mean, that just defined everything for me. My politics uh, completely got totally changed at that time. Thank you to the clash. And uh, my taste in men got completely cemented then. It's like, okay, skinny, lanky, pale. That is it. It is it. It is it. So I just remember it so much. And I was just a fanatic about Cream Magazine. Oh, my God. I love that magazine. Oh, I loved Cream Magazine. Like that was, it was, it was the best of, because some of the rock and roll magazines were so commercial and cream always had like psychotic in jokes and they always had really cool, um, current, at least for those days, meaning like the party had happened yep. within a month or two, but you know, like they didn't just use like stock publicity photos. They had really great live pictures from gigs and, um, you know, from parties that had just, or backstage things that had just gone. Yes. Out. And it had an edge to it. And, you know, I, I think at that, I think at that age, I just remember I, you know, something again, shifted within me and uh, we could say music, we could say puberty, we could say all kinds of things, but everything shifted. And I just wanted the edge. I always wanted the edge at that point. Once I hit that age, once I discovered the sex pistols, it's like, I don't want something safe and bland. I want to see where there's a little bit of danger. That's where I want to go. I know I um Kid Congo from um first the gun club and then the cramps. We were roommates for a really long time. And um actually um he he has a book coming out um very soon in in, uh, in October of twenty twenty two. But um he he told me I was all over his book and I was like, Well, you're all over mine. But um we were living in New York and we'd see Sid mm -hmm. on the street all the time. And we would both just look at each other and sigh and go, he's so tall and pretty, but we were there when the murder happened too. It was crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. It was a crazy time. Yeah. And I just remember being a kid, you know, and finding out about him like, Oh my God, wait a minute. I just discovered this. What the hell? You know, it was kind of like, uh, you know, a shocking thing back then, but again, it just defined so many things. And I think, for a lot of people, when we really discover the music that we love, that defines so much. And I think also back in the day, speaking of definition, you would look for people 
based on their musical taste. You would look for friends based on that. Do we like the same music? Are they dressing like a punk rocker? Yeah, I think the that same, was also really important. Music, the same books, and then also the way they dressed, because also this is for the younger people. Back in those days, you could really tell someone's taste by the way they dressed, because that kind of stuff wasn't mass produced. It was you had to really right. work to look like that then. Like you couldn't you couldn't even get straight black Levi's in those days. You know? Mm -hmm. No, there were flares. Black t-shirts. It was I know you guys don't believe this, but seriously, it's true. They, yeah, they think we're lying. <laughs> but it's like, no, back then, if you wanted something like a leopard print, this or that, that was really hard to get. You had to go to Blue. a thrift store and then fight with your friends if you had any friends that had the same taste as you. Exactly. Or, I mean, if you were looking for something like blue nail polish, it didn't exist. No, there was nothing. It did not exist. There was nothing. I mean, I know Manic Panic, you know, Trish and Snooki then started coming out with the hair dyes and all of that. But that was something that came out of the whole punk rock movement. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, they were a total. They were, you know, that Trish and Snooki had a band called the Sick Fucks. Yes, I do yeah. know that. Yeah, and then also, but here's something you might not know. They uh, in their store, Manic Panic, which was that was the name of their store too in the East Village. Um, they had this beautiful like ginger tabby in there, and he was really big, and his name was Thumper. He was really friendly, and I couldn't figure out why his name was Thumper, but it was because he was a polydactyl cat, and his back feet had like so many extra toes on them. It looked like rabbit feet. It was nuts, and they used to wow. make. They used to make him walk over stamp pads and and so and like make ink footprints with his back feet and that was like one of the manic panic like badges that they would sell. That is the cutest thing ever. I love that. Yeah, I should get them on, on this podcast too because they they are hilarious. Um, but so, well, actually, we should take a little break now for a second. And here I am back with Teresa Reed, the tarot lady, and that I never really knew she was into punk rock, but now I love her more than I ever did before. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, if I was in New York back in the day where when you were out there, we would have probably gotten in a lot of good trouble. Oh, totally. without a doubt. Completely. I lived I lived right on the Bowery. I lived like uh, about five blocks from CBGB's and then like, you know, another 10 to 15 blocks maybe from where Max's Kansas City was. And and that neighborhood has changed so much. The Lower East Side from what it was like back in oh, the day. Oh my God. Cabs wouldn't go down there in those days. Mm -mm. It was a very, very different flavor. People also don't believe that. I remember I, you know, I was, uh, I lived down there for a very short time. And then I came back to visit after being gone many years. And I was hanging out with my, with my ex. And he says, so what do you think? And I said, it's eerily safe. Oh, yeah. It kind of blew me away because it was really grimy 
And again, if you're looking for the edge, well, I was looking for the edge, the Lower East Side certainly had the edge back in the day. Not anymore. It's, it's like $5,000 for a crap apartment. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's so like back there when I was living there and then when you were there, um, I was right near uh, that. I was like south of, ha of um, or more towards Chinatown. We were right at the entryway to Chinatown and Little Italy kind of was this big like factory loft that we were living in. And there was a subway station around the corner and it would connect us to trains that went everywhere. But I remember um, walking, I was, I, was, I was coming home. So I was coming up, up the stairs, but all the business people that were around there were going down the stairs to get the trains to go to work. And, and there was this dead with rigor mortis, like bum. I mean, I'm saying, I'm talking in the parlance of the seventies, you guys, I'm not being an asshole. But um, it was it was a homeless person, but just laying there with and had been there for so long on the stairs um, that that he was in rigor mortis. And I don't know what the hell happened to him. It looked like maybe he had been stabbed, but also his face was all messed up. But everyone was just running down the steps with their briefcases and stuff like it was like no, normal. And I was just in shock. I, I knew it was already you know, not in an optimal neighborhood, but that was the first time I had ever seen like a rigor mortis stiff corpse mm -hmm. anywhere, let alone like, like like in the middle of the morning rush hour. It was nuts. Well, hopefully that's the last time you saw one too. <laughs> yes. I mean, at least in that, in that condition. And, um, but yeah, so, um, okay, let's switch gears. Let's not talk about corpses now. <laughs> Um, yeah, we can get off that spooky topic. So, so tell me about your first concert that you went to or the first punk rock show you, you had, either or both. Now, I, I will have to really think about that because I really, this is where my memory gets really stupid and sloppy. I've seen a whole lot of bands, so I can't remember anymore what the first one was. And that's really kind of shameful. So I don't know. I would have to think back. I don't remember. I do remember my parents wouldn't let me go to concerts for quite some time because they were like, oh, no, you can't go to that. Something bad will happen. I'm like, nothing bad will happen. Well, then Wendy O. Williams and the Plasmatics were coming to Milwaukee. I wanted to go see them so bad. I loved Wendy O. Williams. And, of course, that was the infamous incident at the Palms where the cops busted in to arrest her for obscenity. They beat her black and blue. It was like a big scandal here. Big scandal. You can read about it. And my mom saw that in the news. She goes, see, bad things happen in concerts. You cannot go to a concert. So I, I wasn't able to go to see bands until I was out of that household. So I can't remember anymore. But I mean, I was. You didn't I, lie. I, the, <laughs> No, I my I didn't have a car. You couldn't get anywhere. I was stuck in the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's true. By that so, time, then you were. I mean, you were. That wasn't like Milwaukee proper or anything. It, no, I was way out. It would have been. It would have been very um, difficult to get out to the city. So that's how far it was. It was a. That would have been very very hard to do. You had to find somebody with a car somebody who was cool and you ain't going to find that out in the rural area. Oh so yeah. 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 That. Yeah. No, I think, I think I just didn't realize that. Like I, I used to, um, because after we moved to LA, which was sort of, you know, when I was, um, I, I'd been to a couple of concerts 
when I lived on the East Coast. Like my first concert was um, Alice Cooper with ZZ Top opening, ah, and uh, which was amazing. And it was a billion dollar babies tour, but I thought ZZ Top was a bunch of stupid cowboys. And now, and I didn't pay attention to them. I regret it so hard right now. We'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And I'm back with Teresa Reed, the tarot lady and the lady of the stars <laughs> with her new book, um, Twist Your Fates, which is all about manifesting success through astrology and tarot combined. But after we got to Hollywood, I was just like, I mean, I, I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All my prayers have been answered because <laughs> I always thought I'd end oh up my God. in Hollywood. If I would have been, yeah, if I would have been out in New York or Hollywood, when I was that age, oh, yeah. there was no question. There's no question. I would have been getting out and going to those clubs because I was obsessed with them. I read about them all the time, you know, and I was thinking, how do I get out of this area to do that? I remember one of the bands I saw back in the day that I really loved was the Psychedelic Furs. Oh, I yeah. loved them. They were so good live. Um, that was a band I saw that I really liked. Uh, I, I got to see Bowie and I'm really glad I got to see Bowie uh, and I was almost front row so that was awesome because back in the day this was before mosh pits yeah you could actually get really... Bowie? Uh, God. 
I, it was late eighties. So, um, was it might've been, suit or was he still looking? He was of, wearing a suit. Oh, so it was probably like around the time of, um, of young Americans, I think maybe it might've been, it might, I just don't remember. This is where I get, I have a really crap memory for that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, which bands did you get to see? Which ones did you not get to see? Recently, I saw, my son took me to see Patti Smith and I saw Wu-Tang Clan, which was amazing. Not together though, right? No, they weren't together, but my <laughs> son and I went to both of them. <laughs> we went and saw Patti Smith. We went and saw Wu-Tang Clan and that was really awesome. Um, you know, it's really neat seeing sometimes these bands that I wasn't able to see back in the day come back on tour like uh we saw the church recently oh wait wait i've seen the church a number of times what am i talking about i was at the church many years ago they played at summer fest of all things and that's a local festival here in milwaukee and i was in in the front row trying to like see the band and i had this guy like pressing on me and pressing on me and like really like getting in my space so finally i'm wearing my doc martens i'm i'm starting like gouge at his at his shin like just gouging and he finally like grabbed me by the shoulder, he goes, you don't have to get like that. And I said, don't touch me. Stop touching me. I'm trying to enjoy the band. This is, a, this is the church. Why are you trying to mosh with me? Get the F off of me. It was really you weird. Can say, you can say what you mean on here. No. <laughs> okay. Another band that I loved that I saw many years ago was uh, Killing Joke. Oh, yeah. So good. I loved Killing Joke. Excellent, excellent band. The bands that I didn't get to see that I regret, I didn't get to see The Clash. I wish I would have seen The Clash. That's the wow. band I would have loved to have seen. Did you ever see The Damned? Yes, I did see The Damned a few times. I love The Damned. They were the love they, them. They were the first. Um, they were the first English punk rock band to come over here, and they played two nights in a row at a club here in LA called the Starwood, which was. Um, run by Eddie Nash. And if you guys have, um, do your research on Eddie Nash. It's a, it's a wild story. He wasn't just a club owner. Um, I will definitely check that hashtag, out. Well, I loved. Oh, I was going to say hashtag the Laurel Canyon murders. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's my kind of stuff. Oh. Eddie Nash. Was he the one on that uh, Boogie Nights? Was that based on him? Um, maybe. I'm fr I'm forgetting. All I can remember of Boogie Nights is um like Dirk Diggler. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that movie. That movie was that so movie good. Was great. <laughs> I saw it a million times too. But anyway, so I was I was just saying that the Damned was the first um punk band that came and came to um at least to California. I'm not sure to America, but um they had two nights of two shows a night at this club called the Starwood. And it was, it was the best thing ever. That was the first night I ever stayed out all night. And I used to lie to my mom all the time to go out, to go, to go to the Starwood or the whiskey, which I wound up working at, like not long after I started sneaking out. But I would, I would say to her, because I wasn't in a rural area, I'd go, Hey mom, I'm gonna go up to the whiskey, and she's like, "No, blah, blah, blah. like," and and then you know you have to stay home, got homework and stuff, and so we'd be up there in my, you know, sticking my like like black orchid like Woolworths lipstick, which was like that this almost black red thing, and like you know just getting makeup in my little purse and having on something that looked decent but something slutty looking underneath, and so then a few minutes later I would take my books and go. 
okay, mom, I'm going to the library. And she'd be like, all right, have a good time. <laughs> I would get to the whiskey or the starbucks. This would never happen now. And I would, I would like go up to the VIP bar and give them my school books. And then they would still be serving me drinks and let me into backstage. Yeah, you're right. That would never happen now. No. I mean, I remember also back in the day, do you remember the magazine called Star Magazine, the groupie magazine? I was just going to say that, yes. I mean, back then, there were so many young girls that would be going to these clubs and partying and hanging out with these rock stars. That would not happen today at all. There's so many things that would not happen today. Oh, my God. No, that would not happen. No, it would never happen. I know. I mean, I, I know some of those girls now, but I remember when I was living in Connecticut, I saw Star Magazine and I thought it it was the best thing I'd, I'd seen um, like in print, <laughs> like unless you count. I like, know, it was awesome. Like one of the Bowie records or the Stooges record that I shoplifted, which could only have happened if I lived on the East Coast because it was winter time. You could never get away with shoplifting an album if you grew up in California. <laughs> Right. <laughs> with winter, you could like, uh, you could tuck everything underneath your coat. Yeah. Did you have one of those big snorkel coats? Those big, like, like nylon sort of parkas with the, like the fur hood? I had something that was very unfashionable. Uh, you know, it was like kind of like a corduroy thing and with a hood on it. It wasn't very nice. Definitely not fashionable at all. But in that area, that's what you got so it was what it was yeah well these ones these weren't I mean they were they weren't like in fashion the way it would be now but <clears throat> everyone had them they, they kind of looked like army parkas they weren't like cute girl parkas they kind of looked like like an army right parka. I remember those yeah they were they ugly fake fur or fake fur around the thing. they were ugly but everybody wore them yeah because everybody it, wore them because it was on the east coast and the and the upper midwest and stuff everybody wants they were utilitarian um yep well is that should we talk a little bit more about some rock and roll shit or should we just like zoom right into the witchy stuff i will talk about whatever you want to talk about oh. i can never run out of things to talk about with you i'm not i know me too with you <laughs> <laughs> um well i love i love the book so much and it's such a cool idea. And it's a, like when, when, when I was looking at it, it's like, it's hard to believe there wasn't one like that before, you know? I mean, like, you, I, you, I'm pretty sure yours is first. I mean, there's been like books that are like overviews of, of different practices, but this, this goes so good and deep into all of them. And the title is amazing. Twist oh, thank page. you. Yeah, it's so good. Well, well you know, the, the thing with uh, astrology and tarot, again, those are the two things that I studied at the same time. And back when I used to read for the public, I stopped reading for the public now for a couple of years uh, to focus on my writing and teaching. But I always combine tarot and astrology. It's like, okay, first we're going to do this general outlook. We're going to look at the energy around you and see what's going on with tarot. Then the next thing is we want to look at the planets. We want to look at your chart. We want to look at your makeup. We want to look at what are the planets doing now? What do you need to max out? What do you need to avoid? And then we would go back to tarot if there's something we don't like to figure out, well, let's hear, see how we can solve the problems. Let's see how we can work out the issues and maybe make some better choices. So I always felt like, I always felt like astrology is a, a map. It really is. I mean, first of all, you get your natal chart. That is a map that shows who you are, what kind of a vehicle you are and how you can drive. And the current transits, well, that is what's happening now with our, you know, our roads or whatnot. So knowing what the um, transits are 
also gives you the ability to figure out, well, how do I navigate to get where I want to go? And then if you find that the transits are not friendly, you can look at that as kind of like road construction. Well, then tarot is going to show you the detours. So they work together like brilliantly to help you to, you know, navigate your life in a way that's going to define success on your terms and in a way that's appropriate for you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an amazing way of putting it. But I got to say, um, this, this is just in reference to astrology charts. I look at it and it looks like a test pattern that would have been on TV in the 60s when I was growing up. I look at it and, and they're like, see, here's your chart. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> I have no idea. What's that dot? What's this? Thing? I mean, it kind of, you know, was making sense when people um, were telling me or when I first started finding out, like, you know, what, what the houses were or, you know, right. Or, you know, like, like, like ascending signs or what's your moon sign or, or whatever you have in all of those things. But um, I mean, even the most basic astrology stuff, I don't, I don't know what you think of this, but like that you'll see in a news in a newspaper or now just on the internet on some site even those like if you know what your sign is like a lot of those are just so accurate I mean I'm sure a lot of them are also just like cobbled together or copied and pasted from someone else or a lot of like um online magazines have like really good astrologers doing them now which didn't used to be or Maybe it was, but it was just like one person that would get syndicated. But um, it's so interesting finding out like, like your own makeup. And, you know, I could see why you would be obsessed with astrology. I mean, mm -hmm. I would be too, but I just don't have time to be obsessed about it right now to learn it. And it just breaks my heart, you know. But you got plenty of other things to keep you occupied and keep you busy and you don't want to scatter your forces either. You know, for me with uh, astrology, astrology answered so much. It yeah. answered so many questions that nobody else could answer. Why am I the way that I am? Why do I feel like an alien in this family that I'm stuck with? Why do I, you know, react strongly to this or that? Once I start looking at astrology, I'm like, oh, that makes total damn sense. And then when you start, and you mentioned that farmer's almanac. And, you know, I grew up with farm folks and the Farmer's Almanac was something that was always tossed around next to those uh, true detective magazines, yes. which are for, yeah, um, <laughs> oh my oh, God. That was where I got my fashion sense from when I was in <laughs> <rock>. <laughs> Yes, I love those true detective magazines, but, you know, we always had those laying around at my uncle's house and they had the Farmer's Almanac. And I remember looking at that and thinking, oh, this is interesting. And then later on, when I started, you know, studying astrology, I realize those farmers are really onto something when you are following the moon and the planets and the cosmic weather, so to speak, you are moving with the flow of life. It's just better. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, is there any, um, like, I don't think, like what, tell, tell, tell everybody, um, What's like when Mercury retrograde is happening, I know it's just the illusion that it, that, you know, that Mercury's going backwards or retrograde. So can you explain, is there anything else going on just besides Mercury retrograde, like when Mercury does go retrograde? Well, for people who do not understand, know what Mercury retrograde is or what retrograde is in general, retrograde basically means the planet slows down its orbit. 
So to the human eye, we might look up and say, oh my God, it looks like the planet's going backwards. It's not going backwards at all. It's just the earth is speeding up while that other planet is slowing down. So it looks like it's going backwards, but that's what retrograde is in a nutshell. And every planet except the sun and the moon will go retrograde. So Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, they all go retrograde. And the outer planets, which are um, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto, they go retrograde for long periods. They're very subtle. They really don't do jack. You're not going to really feel them that much. The Mercury, Venus, and Mars retrograde, those are what people feel more uh, closely because they are considered personal planets. And I think Mercury retrograde is the one we all feel to some degree or another. Uh, and it's the most, I think, famous of all the retrogrades. So what Mercury retrograde is, Mercury is the planet of communication. It rules over transportation, technology, uh, you know, our words, all of that. And when Mercury is retrograde, which happens three times a year for about three weeks each time, a lot of times people find they have communication problems. They can't get their point across. Or it may be a time where their tech fails or their vehicles fail or their travel plans go awry. So always when it's Mercury retrograde, I always tell people, make sure you back up your damn computer. You do not want to buy tech gear during a Mercury retrograde. You want to avoid signing contracts if at all possible. That also falls under Mercury. Don't believe everything you hear. And, you know, get your vehicle tuned up before Mercury is retrograde if you want to avoid problems. So it really is about being prepared before these things kick in so that you can sail through those things with grace. And I got to tell you, I've tempted fate many times. I've traveled during Mercury retrograde and have had some really icky experiences. I've also had cars break down during mercury retrograde computers go kablooey things do happen oh yeah no arguments yeah and so you know there are people who sometimes don't believe in it until suddenly you have the perfect mercury retrograde experience and it's like oh my god this is awful then you become a believer and the um like do you think because i know a lot of people do do you think that um that that it affects different signs depending on what 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 the astrology is during that particular retrograde i think it does so for example i know you and i are both mutable signs you're a pisces i'm a gemini yeah so when we've got mercury retrograde in one of the mutable signs we might find that we tend to feel it now this we got a mercury retrograde coming up in just a few days i know it starts uh, and it starts in Libra, and then it moves back into Virgo, which is a mutable sign. So it's very likely you and I are probably going to be feeling a little more tension than other people. And so I would say for mutable signs and also cardinal signs, because this particular Mercury retrograde will move through two different signs. Uh, we're just going to have to be extra mindful and extra kind <laughs> and just try not to get your knickers in a twist over too many things. I would say if you can take some edibles and just kind of cruise through this time, you're going to be a lot better, much, much, much better than freaking out about it. Um, you know, so that can definitely happen depending on your sign. The other thing I think is important for people to look at which house in your chart, the retrograde is happening. So for example, for me, the retrograde is going to be starting off in my 12th house which is actually perfect 
for sitting home and being a recluse, which is what I do anyways nowadays. But then it's going to go back into my 11th house. And so what that means is when it comes to issues around groups, online communities and friends, that's where I need to be really careful. That would be a time, let's not get into it with your friend. Let's not go online and say some stupid remark and get canceled. You know, you're going to be more thoughtful if you know which house is going to be that retrograde is moving through too. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Some people um, don't know what all of their houses are, but if, if you guys go on any of the, um, well, maybe not any, but is there an online astrology site that you, Teresa, would recommend? I think astro.com is a really good, thorough astrology site, and you can get a free astrological chart printed off. Plus, they have an extended chart section, so you can look at things like transits, solar return, lunar return, astral cartography. It's really a pretty complete site. It used to be astrodynes.com, but now oh, that's it's right. astro.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yep. Tell, tell, um, tell, tell the listeners what astral cartography is, because I've always been fascinated by that. Well, astral cartography is really interesting. So basically, it's the astrology of location. And so the way it works is kind of like you look at these lines, and I'm not going to explain it really eloquently, but the lines on where the planets are at the time you're born and where they're showing up in the world. And it can show which areas of the world that are going to be favorable for you to travel to or live in and which aren't. Now, for me, though, in the United States, um, there's pretty much nowhere good for me to live in the United States, which is weird, except what goes down through Montana and Wyoming and Texas. And this girl would never live in one of those places. I know it's great for some people. My best friend Bree lives down in Texas, but I'm like, I would never live in these places. Never. That's like the only place for me. It looks like I'm supposed to be like really happy if I go live in Syria. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to go live there. And apparently it looks like I'd be doing pretty good if I lived in the Netherlands but I've no desire to live there either. So there's like nowhere here in the U S that's supposed to be good for me. It's wow. really weird. I've never done my, uh, um, my, uh, or had my actual cartography done, but Hollywood feel, still feels good to me. So I'm, I'm thinking that might be. <laughs> it probably is good for you. You probably got your Venus line there or Jupiter line, you know, but for me, it's like, I got one line. That's a good line that goes to the U S that's it. And there's no way in hell I would live in any of those areas. <laughs> Not going to happen. Mm -mm. No, no. <laughs> so not for me. <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was so interesting when I first heard about it, that you could, you could, it would, it was like, it was like your soulmate, but it was a place or something. Yes. You know, somewhere that you would thrive. Well, here's something really interesting too. So one of the ways you can also use astral cartography is with your solar return chart your solar return chart your birthday chart and basically what what you do with the solar return chart you enter it this into the software where you're going to be on your birthday and then it will show you your you get this little chart and the chart might be a good chart or maybe not a great chart and then if you don't like the way the chart looks well then you think of well maybe i'll travel to new york then and then you cast the chart based on you being in a different city or whatnot and then you try to like basically reverse engineer everything to make sure that you travel to a place that you love on your birthday so you get a good year. Now, there's a guy named Bob Marks who put out a book, and I've got it here somewhere, but it's like travel on your birthday for success, love, and happiness, something like that. 
And anyhow, many years ago, I had this astrologer who said, listen, you need to go to Los Angeles on your birthday. I said, what? He goes, you'll have a good year. The plan, your solar return will be great. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. What the hell? I thought he was full of it. Let me tell you something. I had one of the best years of my life. Really? By following that. Oh, my God. I had such a good year. I mean, like everything in my life was golden that year. My career was doing great. My, my relationship was fabulous. I was healthy. Everything was fantastic. So I know there is something to it. And I know there might be people who think this is complete, you know, hooey, but I'm like, it worked. Now it's, it I, worked. Mean, I mean, like, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, it's not hooey. Um, but I know there are people that think also that tarot is hooey and, you know, like that. Yeah, whatever. Like, just like when they say witchy shit, they don't mean it like a hashtag on Instagram. They're just like right. their eyes at it. Until like they said, like they see some crazy ass thing or until they experience Mercury retrograde themselves or. That's when they get it. Same like with psychic stuff. People think it's all like, oh, you know, BS until you have a psychic experience or you have your intuition hit you right on. Then suddenly you get an open mind real quick. Yeah. Or until someone like reads your tarot and everything is so ridiculously detailed and, you know. Haven't you, like, when, when you used to do readings for people, like, when you read for people, like, you'll tell them stuff and, and about what's going to change or, or that kind of thing, you know, and then they'll be, they look at me like I'm fucking high sometimes, you know, or mm-hmm. they'll be, no, no, I'm not going to break up with him. I would never marry a different older man or whatever. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's times when it's more specific than others, but, you know. But um, I had this one lady like hang hang up the phone on me, and and she was she was just like she couldn't believe it, and then she never called back, and I was like, well, you know, that's I mean, I'm sorry she did that, and I'm sorry she got mad about it, but she was kind of high maintenance anyway. But then four and a half months, she called me later, and she's like, hey, pleasant, everything you said came true. <laughs> yeah, that's happened to me on so many occasions. I'm sure. Know? And, you know, one of my favorite stories that I, when I wrote the book, Tarot, No Questions Asked, I, I led with this story. Um, when I used to do readings for people, I would never ask anything. They would just sit down. I'd just do a general outlook, which is actually really hard to do. You know that. No, you that's do my favorite thing to do. I love to yes. do that. I'm like, don't tell me anything. And I'll put my fingers in my ear and go, let me, yeah. my- let me just do my thing. Well, I remember this woman brought in her brother and I didn't know this dude for anything or he she gave him my name he called booked the appointment and she came in with him at that time too but anyhow um he sits out at the table and do my thing and then after i do my spiel the general he looks at me and goes how do i know you didn't google me wait how, what did and you i say? said he said how do i know you didn't google me oh god and i looked at him and i said when you booked your appointment i didn't take your last name so how could i google you this dude was like blown away. He's like, oh my God. And so then he was a believer after that because I was hitting on things that really were hitting on him. So he assumed that I went on Google. It's like, and I'm, first of all, I got to say for anybody who ever has that idea, no tarot reader or astrologer has time to go on freaking Google to look you up. We have other things to do. And that is just like, no, nobody does that. No, that's, that's so absurd. stupid. 
But I did love that story because it was, you know, this guy just, I think he thought he was being a smart ass, but, or thought I was quote unquote cheating. And it's like, nobody's cheating. And now, unless Jason Momoa booked an appointment, maybe then I might look something up. But for everybody else, no, no I'm not going to be, be looking you up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Please let it be an in-person appointment, please. <laughs> yeah, please come in person and forget your shirt. <laughs> I'll cut you, bitch. If I hear that that happens to you, I'm putting my head out on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know what I'll do? If he calls to book an appointment, you're going to fly here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to fly by you. And then we'll just happen to be in the same room at the same time. I mean, hey, you know, got to help a friend out. I, I can't think of anything that would be better than either a menage a trois or a cat fight over Jason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's plenty of man to go around. Plenty of it to go around. We can, we can share that. <laughs> I know. You know what? Um, I have to tell you that um, this is so sick. The best tarot tip that I ever got, and, and I don't mean a learning tip, I mean like a, you know, like when a gratuity, um, that uh, I was I was reading cards um, at my friend's goth club, and it was it was a great club. It was called Day Goth, and it was it was all just like darkness, but it started at like um, three in the afternoon and ended at six. It was great. Um, and so I read for this guy and he's like, um, he, he was paying, he paid in cash. And then he's like, oh, I don't, I don't, um, I can't tip you. And I said, that's okay. You know, like I, you know, it's fine. You know, cause it was just small, like club readings. Right. And then, um, I went outside when it was over and he was hanging out with a bunch of people and they were talking about Game of Thrones and um, anyone who works for corporate TV, just close your ears at this point. And I was like, I'm dying to see that, but I don't, I don't have, I don't have it. You know, I don't, I don't have that um, service on me. And he said, okay, don't tell anyone. I'm going to give you my, my login info and that's your tip. <laughs> and that was like, <laughs> one of the best tips I ever got. Oh my God. And you know, I loved Game of Thrones. My favorite character was Jamie Lannister. Oh, it wasn't, I loved... it wasn't Jason Momoa, King of the Dothraki. No, <laughs> no, Jamie Lannister is actually here's the thing I, I appreciate Jason Momoa believe me I do he's beautiful but Jamie Lannister is like one of my ideal first of all he's a rogue which I love that I love that he's a bad boy of course uh and his bone structure makes me bananas he's got that beautiful Danish bone structure oh my god I think he's so beautiful. So, and he's also more age appropriate for me. But Jason Momoa's, Jason Momoa's pretty. But Jamie Lannister, oh my God, I loved his character. I loved his face. I loved everything about him. And I I mean, that was my favorite on that whole show. That's what got me into Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Not Jason Momoa. It was Jay. Well, what would happen? Oh, well, I didn't even know that Jason Momoa was in it. I just knew that I wanted to watch it. But when I saw the Dothraki, that was, they were like the most punk rock group. <laughs> Oh my God, they were, but for and me, it's Jamie kind of Lannister. Belly adjacent, like when the women would be like, like Zaga reading. Exactly. I was like, I would totally be in the Dothraki. <laughs> you would be in the Dothraki. I don't know where I'd be in that whole thing. I mean, I don't know. I'd probably end up being some, you know, wench or something. But I, I remember that uh, my friends were all into Game of Thrones. Like, I hate fantasy. I don't watch any of that. And one night I was sitting home, nothing was on at a glass of wine, and I put it on like, yeah, we'll see what this is all about. 
And then I saw Jamie Lannister. I'm like, <clears> oh, <throat> hmm. well, this looks interesting. But half hour later, I'm like, either I'm drunk or I'm into this show. And so what I ended up doing is I, I got up in the middle of the night and I went online and started watching it from the beginning. <laughs> and I woke my husband up and I said, listen, we're going to watch the show and we got to go back and watch all these things from the beginning. You're going to watch too. You're going to get into it. So poor, poor Mr. Tarot lady got dragged along and we just loved it. We, we really, really loved Game of Thrones. Yeah, that was me too. Like I was never into any kind of fantasy stuff, but like everyone I knew who had great taste and film and television was screaming about how amazing it was. And then, you know, I was, and so then I was like, I don't know, am I going to get that service, you know, that, that it was on? And I was like, I don't know. So, so I was already like, you know, my panties were already in a bunch. I mean, not about Jason <laughs> Momoa, but I was like, I have to watch this because everyone is saying it, how incredible. Have you seen the new um, season, um, House of the Dragon? I haven't seen it yet. Uh, you know, I tried watching. I'm like, this isn't doing it for me. I usually don't like prequels anyways. I don't yeah. like prequels and sequels. It's usually for me, let me watch the show and then I want to be done with it. You know, there's there's a couple of shows. Uh, I watched The Wire. I love The Wire. Oh my God, and I love the Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell. Stringer like Bell. Oh my God. And I got to tell you, whenever I see Idris Elba now, I expect he's going to sound like like Stringer Bell. And when he comes out with that British accent, I'm like, wait a minute, you're ripping me off. Go back to being Stringer Bell. He was so good. But my favorite character on that show was Dookie. I love that kid. This is where you see my Venus in Cancer. I love that kid so much. I'm like, oh my God, I want everything great to happen to this child. And I'm watching it and I'm telling my friend Simone and my friend Simone had seen it already. She goes, I said, she goes, who's your favorite character? I said, oh, Dookie, I love that kid. She goes, you ain't gonna like what's gonna happen to him. I'm like, don't tell me that. <laughs> do not up. do Shut this up. to me. And I mean, he had such a tragic, such a tragic story arc. I was so mad. Such a good show. It was a good show. I watched it with a cat that I had just adopted. And um, I started talking to her, like the way that everyone was talking on the wire. And that was the, like, she wouldn't understand my normal voice <laughs> because I was imitating like that, that total fag, like Baltimore accent. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. It was so, so good. And we, wa we just watched The Sopranos recently because, you know, we never got into that. And my son says, you got to watch it. My husband's like, I hate gangster stuff. I'm like, oh, let's just start watching it. And of course, we got totally into it. And of course, my favorite character also had another tragic ending. I'm like, Christopher, I love Christopher. Oh, yeah, Christopher. That's what, when, when my sister and I talk about The Sopranos, we go, Christopher. Like <laughs> yes, I was so mad what happened to Christopher. Oh, my God. I couldn't get over it. I'm still not over it. Wait, this I got is my little, first time my little Sopranos clap back here. This is the first time that we've ever talked about popular television shows on this podcast. I just got to say. <laughs> well, I got to warn people. I am one of those unapologetic television people. And I know if you're a spiritual person, should we watch a TV? Blow? I'm like, look, let me watch my damn TV. Let me live. I'm watching Peaky Blinders tonight. After oh I'm my done God, talking Peaky to Blinders. Don't even get me started. <laughs> okay, okay. We're going we're gonna to take a break now and then we're going to talk about not television. But oh my fucking God, Peaky Blinders. Even from the very beginning with that horse and the... the um... Yes, the whole thing. Oh wow. my God. Okay. Um, Teresa and I are going to take a break. And if it takes longer than normal, it's because we're going to tune in and look at a, a, t a television show. No, we're going to take a little musical break and we'll be right back. 
Okay, hi, here I am back again with Teresa Reed, the tarot lady, who's just, as you can see, so magnificently fun, as well as being like a fountain of knowledge. Um, can we, can you um, just like reveal in, in a very um, teasy burlesque way, not the whole thing, but can you give like a tip or two from your book that something that any of the listeners could like easily implement or work with from your new yes. book, Twist Your Fate? The first thing I would tell people is to look at your moon. Find out where your natal moon is because that's going to tell you what you need to be happy, what you need to be fulfilled in life. So, for example, Pleasant, where's your moon? It, I'm what a Gemini it? moon. Ah, Gemini moon is a wonderful moon. That means you need to communicate. You need to connect with people. Uh, you need to talk. You need to write. You need to express yourself. If you're in a situation where you cannot express yourself and talk and communicate and connect, you're not going to be a happy person. And even when it comes to relationships, you need somebody that you can talk to. Conversation, mental stimulation. This is what's going to make your heart happy. You're not going to be happy in Dullsville. You need all the stimulation. So that's what you look at. I mean, I've got a moon in Scorpio. It's considered, by the way, the worst moon. But moon in Scorpio, we do need an edge. We do need to feel a deep, intimate connection with anything that we're doing. We need depth. We don't want surface crap. It's got to be deep or nothing. And we're all or nothing type people. Either we're in and we're loyal and we're 100% with you or we're done. And so that means in order for me to be happy... I have to have trust. I have to feel some depth. I have to feel some intensity. So in everything I do, that has to be there. And so when you start looking at someone's moon and, or your own moon, you get to figure out again, okay, well, this is what I know is going to make me happy. And you can make better decisions then. And also, if you understand someone else's moon, you can then show up and respect them, not like mold yourself into something that you're not, but respect where they're at. Now, for example, my husband's got a moon in Aries. Moon oh, wow. in Aries people, I mean, they are super independent. They need breathing room. They need the space to do the thing that they want to do. They like to blaze trails. They like to lead. They like to fight. And you just got to remember that. And so it means, okay, so I know one thing is I'm not going to crowd his damn space. I'm going to let the man have some breathing room and we're going to get along a lot better. That's all you got to remember. The moon tells you what you or someone you want or someone you love, what they need to be happy. So the moon tells a lot. I'm really big into the moon. Uh, but also the moon can tell you not just your, the moon in your natal chart. The second tip is if you follow the cycle of the moon, it really does, like those farmers knew, it guides you into, again, moving with the flow of life. Like today we've got the moon in Capricorn. So today is good for really doing productive things and organizing your life. Tonight, the moon's going into Aquarius. And so with moon being in Aquarius, this is a good uh, evening and tomorrow to back up your tech gear. It's good to connect with your friends that you haven't talked to in a while. Hey, Pleasant. You know, so it's good for all of those things. And so when you learn about the cycles of the moon, then you know you're not going to waste your energy doing crap that isn't going to work for you. 
So I'm really very moon centered, as you can tell. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am not as moon centered as you because I don't do astrology, but I think that the moon phases are so much. I, I, I saw that with, um, with my grandfather that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. He was always, he was always planting by the phases of the moon. Yep. And my mom was planting something. She had a little separate garden and she was planting something. And, and he said, um, don't plant that right now. Those, those, those plants aren't going to make it. And she didn't believe him, you know, so she planted him. I think it was, I think it was scallions or onions or something, but like about a week or so into it, they were, um, it was some kind of a bulb plant. So it could just, it was, it wasn't like a little sprout, but then um, she came out and the whole garden was ripped up. Like all the plants had just exploded from the, from the, um, you know, from their little planting holes. And there was no, we lived, that was a rural area too. That was in upstate New York. But she thought, she accused my grandpa of going outside and pulling them all up because there is no evidence of an animal trying to eat them and no tracks or anything. So she, she thought he did that just, you know, just to prove a point. But he was like, no, it was the wrong time of the moon for, that, for those plants. Mm -hmm. Follow the moon, the moon. Hey, look, the moon rules the tides of the ocean. Why would it not rule what's going on with us? The moon also is really instrumental in business. I mean, I pay attention to the moon because that tells you the mood of the public. Oh, really? Yep, I mean, it certainly for does. Business or for um, well, for it's business. definitely. I mean, this is this is my knowledge of astrology in that terms. The moon is definitely a good business um, time for like when it's a full moon for like anyone that works works in an ER or an urgent care or a bar but it's also mm -hmm. going to be insane I mean that's what like I didn't know like what like what's what's another phase of it that we could um well for example when there's a new moon a new moon is a perfect time to plant new seeds or to set your intentions not just our physical seeds like gar gardening but plant your intentions sit down and think about what are some things that I want to create? What do I want to have? What do I want to be? And every new moon, I sit down and I write down my intentions. Now, there's a book called New Moon Astrology by Jan Spiller. I highly recommend it. I've been following her methods for years. And I got to tell you, it's worked magic in my life. I look back at my old journals, the intentions I've written down over the years, and so many have come to pass. It's just sitting down every new moon, writing down your intentions. It I works. believe in that too. And I believe that the act of writing it is a lot stronger than, yep. um, than, than saying it, like, because you're making it into a concrete thing. Yes. It's like a physical thing when you write it down, like you're working physically and it's on a physical piece of paper. You're not just saying it into the air kind of. Right. Well, words are spells and written words are yeah. very powerful spells. Yeah. So the new moon is really great for setting intentions. And if you're like just a baby witch beginning with magic, new moon writing down your intentions is a very easy way to get started doing magic. And it's amazing how it works. It really does work. Yeah, it's incredible. And start, starting any kind of new things too, I think. Yep. Always start a new moon. I don't start anything during a full moon phase. That's the time to finish things up and celebrate. It's always got to be the new moon before I start anything. Yeah, I see so many people talking about full moon manifestation spells, and I'm like, no, like, I mean, 
I'm in online talking. No one I know in me. I know. Nope. Nope. Yeah. I new moon is when you do that. Yeah. I mean, the full moon is when it comes to fruition, but your new moon is when you lay the seeds, where you lay the foundation. That's when you do all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's Matt, and oh, sorry. Right. I was gonna say, and Madame Pamita's got these really amazing new moon magic kits. I love them. First of all, I love anything in a kit. Of course I love anything in a kit. I'm a Gemini. I love kits. And her new moon magic kits are so good. They work and they're so well put together. Oh, so I'll have to get one. That's fabulous. Great. I love her. We love her. She's amazing. She, she told some crazy stories on the last podcast. And one of them was like taking mushrooms and going to the damned and then being so high that she couldn't even get into the club. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. I haven't done mushrooms. Well, wait a minute. I did them not that long ago, but they were just in a little tablet uh, in a little capsule and it didn't really do much. It just made me feel really mellow. Like nothing bothered me. What was it? What did you take? A mushroom. Oh. But not like, not like back in the day when I did mushrooms and had a full on trip experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, I am like, I've been so sad that I haven't taken psychedelics in a long time. And I keep thinking, yeah. am I going to take them again at some point? Because I'm so busy now. And also I'm older. So the recovery time is going to be horrific. Yeah. But if I'm, if I'm ever on my deathbed, I want to have the hallucinogenics without a doubt. Oh, fuck. Yeah. What's your hallucinogenic <laughs> of choice? Yeah. You know, it's, but this friend gave me a capsule and they came to town, they came to visit and they had these mushrooms. They said, do you want to try them? I said, yeah, why not? And anyhow, my kids found out. My my kids were horrified. <laughs> like, oh my god, your friends are bad influences. You're this old and you're doing a. I said, this is just a. It's a capsule. It's not going to do anything. It just gave me like a mild buzz where nothing bothered me. It wasn't like back in the day doing a full on trip. Oh, oh my, my god. god, I know. I mean, for for days or something. I... <laughs> Oh, I remember those. Or oh like my taking God. acid with then like a yep. boost of ecstasy and then doing cocaine because you couldn't sleep anyway because you were so fucking high and then <laughs> trying to. Why well, I, I never did that. It's like I kept that stuff separate. But I remember being so high as a kite on hallucinogenics. And that was fun. But you're right. The, the recovery time is too hard. I, I could never do that now. But if yeah. I was on my deathbed, I'd be like, give me everything. Who cares? I know, and then hope it worked as you were going into the afterlife because that was it's supposed <laughs> to be incredible anyway. But imagine what it would be like on, on like shrooms or E or something. I know. The only thing is, I'd be worried. What if I had a bad trip then? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. It would be fine because <laughs> you're going to a good place. Like, <laughs> yes, you're not going to the fiery furnace. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. I don't. I. I would not want that. Mm -mm. Well, this has been so great talking to you. It's been it's been absolutely fabulous. We should do this another time, not on a podcast, and before we have our three way with Jason Momoa. Before the yes, before the Jason Momoa thing, and also we need to do this so we can work out like our dynamics, so we know exactly who's going to do what. So we got to get that figured out. Oh, with the Jason thing, right? Yes. <laughs> well, look at our charts and see who's better than. <laughs> I, I got a feeling Jason Momoa and I are not compatible. Oh, I know that we're compatible. Someone asked me how I like the island of Kauai, 
you know, mm-hmm. like in Hawaii. Yes. And I said, it's absolutely beautiful, but there's just one thing wrong with it. And it was like a local and they looked completely offended. And they're like, and what's that? And I said, well, I heard Jason Momoa lives here, but I also heard he's off island right now. And then she just started <laughs> laughing. <laughs> well, he's got a moon in Scorpio like I do. Oh, wow. So I don't, I, I don't know. I think, mm, I think two moon and Scorpios together. Mm-mm. 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 I don't know. I'd have to see it. I just don't, I don't know. Mm-mm. John Snow had a moon in Scorpio too. And you know, the really funny thing is, like I said, it's a, it's a dark moon with an edge. And I'm like, who else could have played Jon Snow or oh, Paul yeah. Drogo, except people with a moon in Scorpio. They were perfectly cast. <laughs> Yeah, this is so great. I, I got a feeling that you're going to be more compatible with Jason Momoa than I would be. Well, that's okay. I'll, I'll include you too. I promise. I'm generous. Okay. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> okay, you guys, how fabulous is Teresa Reed? We could we could talk for hours and hours. So may, maybe she'll come on a third time when her next when her next book comes out. But um, if you're any in any way into woo-woo shit or tarot or astrology, or you want to learn something about it, you've got to get her book, Twist of Fate, Manifest Success with Astrology and Tarot. And she also has, she's got a huge online presence. It's almost as brawny as Jason Momoa. (laughs) She's She's on Instagram. She's on Twitter. She's on Facebook. What else? You're probably on. I'll put it in the episode description, but um, she is the tarot lady, mostly online. And she's just delightful online or in real life. Thank you, Pleasant, so much for that beautiful, beautiful send off. Um, it's always great to connect with you any way I can. And I'm hoping I will be in Los Angeles next year. Oh my God. Yes. We have to do the astro cartology on that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Listen with the pandemic. I mean, nobody could travel. And so I just got to say this one more quick thing about astro cartography last year, of course we couldn't travel because of this damn pandemic. And I looked at my astro cartography and I'm like, this is going to be a hard year. I had one of the worst years this last year ever. Now this year I couldn't travel either. Looked and the planets are good. So I'm like, good, I'm going to have a good year. But last year was not good. And I was stuck at home. I had no choice. Wow. I know the pandemic was fucked up in a lot of ways, but I, I had a, I had a pretty good pandemic. I gotta say. I did mostly, but this last year was not easy. So hopefully now the planets are on my side and we're going to have a great year. So I'm all about it. And I will find out about maybe being in Los Angeles on my birthday. Who knows? Yay. That would be great. Okay. You guys, once again, that was Teresa Reed, the amazing tarot lady. And I will see you next time or you'll hear me next time on the devil's music.
The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.